stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast number 19, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave. Hey everyone, welcome to the Story Studio Podcast. Uh, we're going to conclude our little six-episode arc here and talk about what the future holds. Um, and this will be more specific than like some vague futurist thing. I mean, we all know that there's going to be lots of hover cars and robots. Wait, wait, are we talking? Oh, robots. That's what I wanted to know about. Yeah. I'm watching Westworld right now again for the second time. And um, Wait, you're watching it again for the second time? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it for the second time. Um just because the the second season is out right now and the puzzle that they put together in the first season is a, a lot more fun to watch the second time through once you kind of know everything. And I just don't mind being steeped in robots right now because, um, because, you know, we're designing the inevitable and, uh, I don't think you can get enough of that, like intellectual robot stuff. Right. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and wondering like, how far away is this? Like you've seen Westworld, right? Mm-hmm. Um, season one. So how how far away does that need to be for you to believe that that's a, a future? Like robots are that um, believable. They look that human. They can process in that I don't way. know. I just keep trying to pretend that I don't know it with some of the stuff that gets posted in the inevitable channel and makes me worried for us all. Do, it doesn't it though? It's like, um, I mean, I know this is not our topic for today. We need to get to it eventually, but... Do you, how much has working on um, on these robot series, how much have, has it affected the way you actually feel about AI? Is it a dramatic difference from before? I mean, the first one that we wrote, we didn't really do any research. We just wrote a robot book. But then we really did a lot of research going into the series. Did that change the way you looked at robotics and AI? This is way too deep of a question for me at the end of a very long week. I don't know that I can tell you my opinions on AI in the future right now. <laughs> well, that's a week. All right. Um, well, then let's talk about our personal future. Okay. Well, it's not, it, it is our personal future, but it's also sort of what we see as, as okay, well, let's just leave it with that. Um, but we want to delve in on some of the specifics of the things that we are building out. Um that's where I was going with, we aren't just going to tell you about hoverboards and robots. Uh, and so just, I guess, a, a, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about are some of the things that we're actually going to do with story shop. I know people have, have asked like, okay, well, so it's changing, it's evolving. Is it in stasis? What's happening? Um, we can't give you a lot of detail there, but we want to give you at least some of the things, big things that I think are going to be exciting for people who are in on story shop and maybe get people excited about it who aren't in on it. Um, we want to talk about some of the things that we want to do with uh, film and TV and sort of how we're designing some of our stuff going into it. New ways we're building out franchises, um, the uh, the rise of genre therapy. Basically, it's an alignment thing that we'll talk just a little bit about here. That's still a little proprietary, so we're going to be a little guarded. Um, some of the processes and stuff that are going into managing, a, say, I don't know, 20-ish person writer staff. Like we had, We've had a big staff for a while, but this is basically... This is this is writers. This is a writer's room. This yeah, we've transitioned studio. from a staff that exists to support the smarter artist to a staff that exists to um, produce stories. 
Right. And just projects and processes that are going on in the new studio, how we're managing it all. So that's sort of what we're going to, that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. Um, do you want to start with Story Shop? Is that a logical place to start or did any of that tickle you a little <laughs> I would more? like to start, well, if we, I would like to start with a big giant cup of coffee for you. You look like you um, really, really, and I just, you know how like sometimes you're going along, you're going along and then you hit a wall all of a sudden. I saw, no, I, I actually saw the moment when you hit a wall. <laughs> yeah, was, I may, I may have to go out while you two banter about something and go get a cup of coffee. That might not be bad. There's one out in the other room for me. Uh, I hit my wall about five minutes after I wake up. Is that normal? <laughs> I, I that's it. That I'm that's done normal. for the day. Actually, Dave really did hit a wall. See, this is this is actually Dave's fault because we got on to do our normal um, SSP at the normal, you know, normal time. That's right. And it's his fault. This should be worst show ever time. Yeah, Dave came on like this. And we we're like, okay, we need to liven him up. Let's talk about misery. Let's worst show ever first. And then he was like, wee! <laughs> And he was, he totally was. He had a, we had a great worst show ever today. You're and my then, wheelhouse. Right. But he, he, he squeezed all of the life out of Johnny. <laughs> so now I've had my exit triggers. I'm right. already done. No, I've done two episodes. Right. He was, <laughs> well, it's not just that. It's that uh, worst show ever is our way of saying goodbye to the week. So Johnny's like, wait, I said goodbye. I already said goodbye to the week. It's two episodes later. What is this? Um, but, but yeah, this is a really exciting episode because Virtually nothing that's happening right now in the company is um, is stuff that we haven't been dreaming about for a long time. Um, you know, except for like the smarter artist stuff as we're transitioning out of that. None of us were dreaming five years ago of the smarter artist. You know, it was something that we really enjoyed doing. And, you know, we I mean, we played full out. We played full out with the smart artist, we, we took it as far as we could and we really tried to make that work, but it was never part of our dream. It was almost like we felt the responsibility to answer to the community and to um, do some really cool work there. Uh, but our dream was always to make stories. Our dream was always, um, you know, I mean, even before the three of us hooked up together and it was just, you know, me and Dave in bed, it was, you Ooh. know, like, <laughs> oh, right. hold on i want to picture that for a minute <laughs> there you go uh it was still like hey we're gonna get our stuff in you know in movies someday i we're could draw you a picture <laughs> it, haven't you already uh you know we're gonna do film and tv someday and you know from the very earliest times when johnny and i started writing together immediately those were our references downton abbey with robots you know we were always referencing you know television and and stuff that that kind of medium so now to actually be you know, writing for um, that presentation is just kind of magical. So I know we'll get to there. I know we were going to start with Story Shop. No, so. actually, why don't why don't you go into that a little bit? Um, because it is a natural transition, and then I can sneak out, get some coffee. Yeah, sure. Well, um, it's been really exciting to talk about. Um, okay, so in our last episode, we talked about uh, Twisted Stone and how you know, that was basically the marriage of Twisted Media and Sterling and Stone. And we were forming this, you know, brand new company that basically existed to shop RIP. Um, and that, you know, we're, we're using, uh, we're using Invasion as basically the pilot work to see if we can um, sell that. And once that gets made, um, it will basically open our doors to the vault and, hey, here's everything that Sterling and Stone has. And what are we going to, sell. And so um, that's that's a really exciting place to be. And when 
when we made our deal with Twisted Stone, they basically asked for this big asset package that we were supposed to develop. Um, really, it was treatments. But part of what they wanted to was a script, and they were going to get a scriptwriter to kind of fill in those blanks, and then they would take that package and go start shopping it. Um, but we ended up doing the script in-house. Um, I, I, I wrote the rough draft. Uh, several people in the company took a pass at it, and then uh, it went to Johnny. He took a final pass, and we we gave it to Twisted, and they were really happy with it. Um, They're really excited <laughs> about it, which is which is awesome because I think that there's uh, most novelists do not have reputations as writing um, writing good scripts, and so I think there was definitely a little bit of like, oh yeah, thanks for writing the script. <laughs> you know that step step is taken care of, but it will be rewritten. Um, but it flew really well, and um, and it landed well, and so we're we're now adopting kind of this this practice. We would be doing it anyway. In fact, before we started um, uh, negotiations with Twisted, we were looking at our 2019 lineup, and a lot of every single one of our imprints has what we call a show, so some kind of flagship material that is engineered from day one to be eventually sold to um, Netflix or HBO or um, really any network that is interested. But we're engineering our, our work for that way to, to begin with. And we were already doing that. And now to know that we kind of have some open doors if we continue to develop that work and you know establish our names has just really dictated the way that we're handling things from the ground up. So... Um, let me take a, a sip of water. <laughs> I'll tell a story. So we have um, a thriller line for next year called The Edge. And we're developing a lot of different franchises for that. One of them is, um, it, it definitely came kind of high concept idea first. So where a lot of our stuff comes with characters or, or maybe a situation. For this particular one, we had a setting, but it was a really strong setting. It was something that had a lot of commercial potential. Um, it was something that we were really excited about. And um, it, it needed the right writer. And so we it, it passed around. This was really what would be considered the very first truly uh, 2.0 Sterling and Stone project. So at this point, we had already decided that we're kind of going all in on fiction. At this point, we also have a professional outliner on staff. Um, you know, we have character designers. We're definitely moving in this direction. We have a writer's room. So uh, a bunch of people get together and, um, you know, we, we hash out ideas for where this franchise could go. Um, the, the, the outline, the very first outline went through, I think, 13 drafts before it was deemed ready to write. Um, and then we went through the first round of, um, of writing and it, it just, it wasn't quite right. Um, this is a franchise that we're putting a lot of our, um, a lot of our kind of resources behind. So it needs to be just right. And the first week, it just wasn't the, it wasn't the show that we expected it to be or we needed it to be. So, okay, we're going to completely tear it down and start over and, um, <laughs> but now we're several weeks behind. And so uh, Jen and I decided we're going to um, to not take any of the characters. The only thing we had left is the setting, um, which was what it all began with anyway. And so we had characters. I mean, we didn't have any characters. We didn't have any... Um, we didn't even have a time period. We didn't have a plot. 
um, all we had was the setting. And we had our first story meeting on Wednesday morning. And this is, you know, at this point, I would say this is like four weeks behind schedule. And we really, really want to get it going because this is a project that we want to launch this summer. And so we have a story meeting and it was, it was such a beautiful vision of where we've wanted the company to go because we just basically announced in the writer's room channel on our company Slack that we were going to have um, a meeting in the morning and anybody who wanted to show up for the meeting could. And, um, that's, I think, I don't know if it was this episode or last episode, but Johnny was bitching about cool story meetings that he's missed. <laughs> this yeah. was one of the big ones. Um, because like, this is just pure blue sky ideation. The only point of the story meeting, people who have nothing to do with this project are still on the story meeting, just popcorning ideas. Um, Dave did not want to get on because he had a very full head with his project. And he's like, no more characters, no more worlds. Stop it. <laughs> Um, also is in the morning. I mean, who does a meeting in the morning? Come on. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that is the reason it was that you weren't there. That's yeah, the right. version of that that I heard was that he was into it, but then you gave him the time. That's right. Okay, that is what happened. Yeah, and it was so, before 5 p.m., so he was like, too early. Yeah, I think oh, it was like 8 or 9 in the morning. I was like, it was, <laughs> it was 9.30 in the morning, which is 10.30 for Dave. That's not exactly the crack of dawn. No, it was like my, 9 my time. 9.30 is half through my work day. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's like the army. He does more before 6 a.m. than most people do all day. <laughs> That's true. So um, so we had, the, we had the story meeting, and uh, it went really well. It was, it was really exciting. And... But that was it. Like, that's all we had. And um, we didn't really know where to take the story. We, uh, we kind of, I mean, we had really 10 different directions we could have taken it. None of us, I mean, we didn't feel super strongly about any of them. But uh, Jen did a 600-word kind of character sketch for a couple of characters and an opening scene. Um, very little about that changed. Um, and in, in fact, the the very first version of this, our main character is named Jenny Lawson. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> that's the bloggist. <laughs> we can't have her named Jenny Lawson. Um, yeah. So like, like that's the, there's even from that very first version, all we needed was a seed to give us something else. And I think her name changed like five or six times. Um, but by the time we were done, we just kept passing it back and forth and back and forth. And um, when it was all done, it, it eventually went to um, Bonnie, who gives everything in our company the most beautiful story jackets. They practically glow when they're done. And, um, and, and at that point, when I think it was at like version 18, and then Jen and I passed it back a few more times, rounded back the edges. And so our first story meeting was on Wednesday. And our... Um, our final version 22 was the following Tuesday and she started writing that Wednesday morning on this project. So it was one week of production and it's, it's one of the most complete, uh, most dramatic, most well-structured outlines that we've ever produced. The, the book that we're writing this to is 45,000. It's kind of a series starter. Um, and it's, it's an outline that's supposed to produce a 45,000 word book. Um, and the outline itself is around 12,000 words. And it's it's very good, and it's that kind of rapid iteration is where we're moving for as a company. It's really fully for the first time leveraging what it means to run um, a fiction studio that is producing books, but run it like a actual writer's room. 
Did you talk much about the, um, I'm sorry, breaking the fourth wall here. I had to go run out to wake up. Did you talk about some of the processes involved in all that in addition to the rapid iteration progress process? Um, well, no, I, I mean, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Um, and it, it really, this is more just kind of talking about like the future and where we're going. So I don't want to get too detailed because that might be boring. Yeah. But the idea is, you know, the idea is that, yeah, there's a lot of structure, a lot of systems, a lot of, um, a lot of practice in this. Um, but I, I will tell one story that I think is, is really interesting. And does it have a dragon in it? Uh, I'm only interested in this point. If it has a dragon, it doesn't have a dragon. It does have a serial killer in it. Some of Dave's stories have dragons doing unthinkable things. <laughs> Some of Dave's pictures have dragons doing unthinkable things. And I'm talking about my fan fiction here. <laughs> so, um, so something we've stumbled onto uh, in the, in the company. I, I don't even know. I think, I think Jen coined it. I'm not sure, but genre therapy. And this happened because uh, quite by accident, we had a few authors who seemed to be suffering through the same thing and their writing wasn't quite clicking in the way that they expected it to. And uh, one of our writers who will be writing, well, actually let's not announce the name yet, but, but one of our thriller writers actually came in under the romance um, channel and She'd been writing romance for a long time, years and years. Um, she was in many romance groups. Um, like that's what she was known for. It's what she auditioned for. It's what she's good at. And so we developed a, a franchise for her and there was just something kind of off about it. Um, it just, it like, I, we just couldn't feel the author there as much as we wanted to. And we're trying to build big author identities here and taking our time to do it right from the beginning. So she had uh, actually a couple of practice books and we're still trying to figure this out. And um, it's just, it's not, it's not quite right. So we have a big story meeting and we all get together and we're kind of trying to figure out what, what, what the deal is. And we say, what's your, um, what's your ideal romance? Like if you're figuring out what a romance should look like, what would it be? And she said, oh, I don't know. Um, is there anything like a, like a serial killer romance? And then, and then she took off her mask and she was Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. She's yes. been reading my fan fiction. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like there was just this long silence on the call. <laughs> Everybody was just like, okay, we have to figure out where to take this conversation. Best idea ever. And then, uh, and then, um, I, I know, love him because I can fix him. <laughs> we're probing later and she says, well, you know, like, like, like a romance, but like with Jack the Ripper. And then we realize, oh, you should be writing stories with Dave. You're complete. You should, why are you in romance? <laughs> and so we're probing, like, why are you writing romance? And she said, well, I've always written romance. I, okay. What do you like romance? Um, well, anything but the sex scenes. I don't like to write the sex scenes. Okay, wait, don't. wait. You're writing romance, but you don't like to write the sex scenes. What is it that you like about writing romance? Oh, well, I love writing the banter. I think I really love writing the banter. You know, getting a, uh, a guy and a girl, like just that, that witty repartee goes really fast, that writes fast. It's really enjoyable for me. I'm good at it. Okay, so like, how do you like X-Files? Like that with like Mulder and Scully? Oh, yes, I love the X-Files. Okay, that's not a romance. <laughs> and so we were able then to completely build her. We threw away the romance stuff, built her a new author identity, 
um, and started creating outlines that were specifically tailored to her gifts as a person. And her, her enjoyment level skyrocketed. Her books are, are fantastic. Uh, she's a, an exceptional writer, but she had never found the success that she really deserved to have as a writer because she was just kind of in the wrong lane. And it's amazing how often that's true. Uh, um, I mean, there's a... There's, Coming there's, next fall, Hitler the Ripper. Well, <laughs> there's... I the mean, let me, let, me fin- let me finish the the project that I was just talking about doing with, with Jen before we move on here because... What's interesting about that is it, it, we are building it out like a season of television and we're starting treatment first. We're looking at the treatments that they're asking us for, you know, um, to get stuff produced in television. We're seeing what that looks like and now we can reverse engineer our books to match that. So the transition later is is much easier. It's much more straightforward. We know what people are are buying. We know what, you know, that's just, it's very easy to move it from this pile over here to this pile over there. Um but as far as, as as mapping this stuff out, the genre therapy has been a game changer for the way that we're building things. And so, uh, you know, we had a, another author who, um, same thing, this is probably what I would consider the second Sterling and Stone 2.0 project. Um, it's, a, it's another, it's like a YA fantasy book. And it was the same thing. Um, you know, one of our authors um, had, had written a few times, but really poking around in the dark. And she was writing things that she loved to consume rather than the things that she should be creating. And there is a difference between those two things. And a lot of times, I mean, Ira Glass covers this really well in that little two-minute video. It's If you just Google Ira Glass on creativity, it's so beautifully said how he talks about when you know we first create art, it's because we're emulating something and we have taste. We know what we like but there's a gap between what we see in our head and what we can actually produce. And so um, this is reflective of that. You know, she, she had definite things that she really loved as, um, as entertainment. But when she tried to recreate that entertainment, that wasn't her sweet spot. But by figuring out, by taking the time to, to ask who she is as an author, who she is as a creator, and really figuring that out, because we don't have that, like, I mean, Dave and I kind of were lucky because we stumbled into it pretty fast. Um, Yesterday's Gone was was kind of a clear, uh, yes, this is very Stephen King meets J.J. Abrams. Like, it just feels like that. And th- we kind of identified that together as we were writing it. And that became kind of an identity that we carried from project to project. Although we weren't allegiant to it, it was there. Um, it took Johnny and I several years to take the time to identify who we are as authors together. And now it's not acceptable to just wait to find that identity. We have to build that identity from the very beginning um, and understand who that author is because then we can understand who the ideal reader is and how to really tailor the content to match. That makes a a, a big difference. Is it too clunky of a transition if I talk about Story Shop at this point? Um, I just don't know another way to go into it. No, go ahead because actually... Our only bottleneck right now, all of this stuff is happening really fast. The rapid iteration stuff, the genre therapy, um, how we're producing stories from seedling all the way to, you know, okay, this is ready to go. It's amazing. The only bottlenecks we're having is that we're not able to work in Story Shop because it's not ready yet. Right. So basically we're... Because we could talk about like the future of story or whatever, which is really a very different um, sort of discussion, and that's not one that we're looking to do. But talking about 
Sterling and Stone as a, as a company, like we're, we're, we're not like exploring new frontiers in story say, but we're like developing our own sort of unique brand of how, I don't know how we're going about it. This is a weird concept, but the point is that we need, one of the things that we need is, is the tools to do the job. And uniquely, like we've had a taste of what story shop is and can be, but it's just a taste. It's just enough to make us go, boy, I'd really like to build the entire, uh, an entire thing around this. And it, but it's not, it's not right. So it's really kind of a tease. Um, and so that's what I, I think it makes a sense to talk a little bit about this. Now we want to be careful because in the past with story shop, we've, we've over promised and, you know, but I think that a lot of this is safe and I, I want to, we want to explore it in terms of like, this is maybe our ideal roadmap and communicating with you guys as the story studio podcast mm-hmm. audience is different from communicating to story shop users or people who might become story shop users in the guys of like, this is what we're promising you, or this is what we're, this, it's just different. Like, this is like, so anyway, take it with a grain of salt is what I'm saying. We don't have timelines for this, but because as we mentioned in the last episode, we have partnered with another company who's much more able to do this than us. Um, what that means is, so just to give you an example, I, I think in the last episode I said something about it's like we're buying at retail and selling at retail when really, yeah, I never heard you say that before, but I really like that. Well, you need to buy it wholesale and sell it retail. And um, we didn't, we, we weren't doing that, but our new arrangement lets us do that. And what I mean by that is, um, so a lot of times people who are in development will offshore to like an Indian development house. And um, the people that we're working with didn't do that. They sent somebody to India and built their development house there. So like the guy moved to India and they built this development house so it's 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 not an outsourced firm it's something that they control it's part of the company but um that's wholesale right like that's able to go ahead and get the development for a lot less cost at um and and like superior quality because they're they're running it they're they're not just kind of handing it off so all of this goes to say that that we're going to be able to do things with story shop that we never would have been able to do because the budget and the timeline on it just never would have worked out because we had to earn so much to be able to do these things because we didn't have our prices under control for like what we were spending for development. And because we couldn't do it, we couldn't market the software to new people and bring more money in the door to do the development like that. It it was a vicious cycle. (laughs) Yeah. There was never a point where, and, and we did get pushes, you know, like, well, why don't you guys just sell it? Why don't you guys just sell it? And we never thought, okay, well, now it's ready at a point where you could send traffic to it. Because if we're not flawlessly using it... When he says sell it, he means sell it as a service, not sell the company. Although that's kind of what we did. Right, right, exactly. Because, um, you know, we could always build a funnel and we could send traffic to it. But if it wasn't the... I think we hit 3% on our own and we saw a baseline of 5%. Like this needs to be 5% of the vision, but there's there's some basic things like inline commenting is one that it's not usable for us as a company without inline commenting. And if it's not using if it's not usable for us as a company, then we're not going to send traffic and try to sell it. Right. I mean, and that's that's kind of the key there is is we are writers. 
we are Story Shop's first users. And I don't mean that like chronologically, like we use it first. I mean that we are kind of the primary users in that selfishly, it needs to be awesome for us. It needs to be awesome for everybody, but it needs to be awesome for us kind of first. Because if it's awesome for us, right. it will be awesome for everybody because our needs are pretty robust compared to the, you know, the average author. And so if it, if it nails all the boxes for us, then, you know, anybody out there who's producing anything less than, I don't know, 50 books a year is probably going to have everything they need to do a really great job. Right. So when we, when I started working in Story Shop, I had two competing thoughts. One was, well, this is kind of awesome. Like once I get it used to the, 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 the cloud, like the idea of working in a browser, once I, you go into distraction free mode, it doesn't feel like a browser. Like that took a little weirdness. Uh, that was a little weirdness, took some adjustment, but I was like, oh, wow, I really like it. And I saw the integrated tools where you could, you know, uh, oh, I want to check on what that character is like or something or make a quick note. I really liked it. But then the competing thing was realizing that it wasn't robust enough and there were things that I couldn't do and I kept having to go, oh, man, it's just, it's exactly the, the wrong amount of awesome. It's awesome enough for me to see what it should be but not awesome enough to actually be that. Yeah, and that was holding us back for a really long time. And there was a frustrating point where um, Johnny and I had just finished our most complicated book we've ever written. Um, and it was a book that that I honestly can say I don't think I ever would have um, attempted this outline without Story Shop. It was just, it was almost, I think it was probably the first, I, the first outline I went to town with like, Oh, I have this new toy. Here's story shop. I'm linking everything. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's, there's a lot of depth to the outline that I think only existed because of the way story shop is structured and it allowed us to kind of play. I mean, did you feel that when you were writing that book? Yes. Yes. But it was, it's just, it's, it was awesome enough for me to see it. And it was not awesome enough for me to use it flawlessly. Yeah. So they were just like, oh, wow, I see how that is, and it takes too many clicks, and it's frustrating, and this doesn't quite work right, and I wish it had this feature. Um, and the, you can comment, but I can't tell you what I'm commenting on because you couldn't contextualize. Right, highlight. right. If comments are like beat-specific but not area-specific, and that's not helpful. Well, if, it's chapter-specific. You, know. you might have a 3,000-word chapter, and I'll be like, okay, so look for the part where somebody says something. Now here I want to tell you something about it. Right. And that doesn't work. If Johnny's trying to say, Hey, I'm setting this up because I'm setting this up later in the chapter. What? That does, how does that help me at all? And, you know, if I'm trying to communicate with him back, it just, it, it doesn't help. And Dave won't write in it at all because, and I don't blame him. I mean, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work for him. And so if it doesn't work for us as a company, that's something that we need to figure out. But Everything that has happened since we've merged with the new story shop has been just such a breath of fresh air and it's really exciting. And well, where I'm going with this is that is that when we started listing kind of like our dream list, like it was real tentative. It was a little like a kid who's been screwed over by Santa too many years in a row. And okay, well, what would you really like? And you say, Well, I would how about um how about a new used video game and like well come on there must be something you know and you kind of like okay you finally start giving i i will give myself permission to want the bike and the pony and that's a little bit like what this this was like is we're like could just the beats not you know could we just have not have sync issues like how about that okay well that's basic <laughs> that's like saying i want to breathe when you talk to your doctor um so 
they kind of teased that out of us and we were like, okay, well, offline mode, um, inline commenting. Um, you know, there were all these different things and then they were like, oh yeah, well, I mean, we've already got somebody working on that or whatever. And, and the bid that they came back with from their people to do it was just like, okay, wow. You know, like in the yeah. first sprint or the first three sprints, we can have a lot of the stuff. That we, we just felt kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, just, and again, I won't go into details because I, I can't, but there's just a lot of amazing stuff that's going to happen. And, and it's basically anybody who's got stuff in there, don't worry about it. The, the transition will be smooth and flawless and effectively communicating. You, you aren't going to lose anything. There's no threat of that. But that said, what's going to happen at some point is you'll get a whole new story shop. Like it will be, it's basically redone and it's just going to be amazing. Like there's usability thought that, that didn't go into it originally. Um, just little annoying things. Like I just, and I, not, I'm not blaming anyone for this. Like this was stuff that we, we were doing cause we didn't understand. You don't know it. what you don't know. Right. And it's like taking all these clicks to go through something is just like, okay, you can get there, but it's frustrating. Um, I wanted quick reference panes in the distraction free mode and, okay, well, that's a minor thing and I feel a little ridiculous asking for it, but it does make a difference. So when we have this reimagined story shop where everything is, one, of, I, I think I can mention this. Again, just take this in the context of like, you know how people say, well, I'm not a lawyer, so don't think this is legal advice. So this is similar. Like I'm not making development promises, so don't take them as promises, just like speculations. But some of the things, I think I can mention this, is like um, setting the name of a person and various things they might be called, which the machines will kind of learn as it goes through it. So that if you mention a character, like it'll keep a list of this is where they were mentioned. Like that's something we never thought of, but knowing the first appearance of so-and-so or they were in chapter three, but not chapter six, if you're trying to remember, okay, when, when did that thing happen is going to be huge. Right. There was also the thing about like the the character cards are really specific and then they link to um, your actual copy in a way that the original story shop didn't. So if you say something like, and again, if this never happens, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is just kind of the things we're dreaming about right now. But it would say something like, uh, you know, Maria's uh, blonde hair, you know, blue in the wind and story shop would come up and say, did you mean black? Because on the character card, Maria has black hair. Can, can it correct you when you start using the same name like three or four different times? <laughs> like, haven't you used that name enough? It's going to be the Sean uh, plug-in where it pops up and says, are you sure you don't want a name that doesn't start with W? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but you know, things like being able to do offline mode, this was something we never really... It didn't seem possible. I mean, it seemed possible, but it seemed like really difficult and it was the sort of thing that... Um, I always felt was a hundred percent necessary and not everybody on the team always felt that way. But I think that writers like, you know, you want to be able to go. I, Dave has talked about writing at the beach. You want to be able to go where there's no signal. When Can you actually see Dave writing at the beach though? Really? <laughs> he says he I likes like to write in a restaurant and, and besides my internet goes out like all the time. I got like a really unreliable internet. So, yeah. So being able to just have a new story shop is kind of a brave new frontier. I won't go into some of the bigger things, but um, that is that is base functionality. Like we're basically what we're talking about is getting it to what true MVP should have been. Uh, and so the dreams, the things for the things that we want to expand upon, I actually kind of don't want to mention those. Just suffice to say that they're big. They're like institutional. What can we get into? What can we? What can, like it's it can be a 
parts of the world changing sort of a thing, I think, once it gets its foothold and people really appreciate what yeah, it is. Different sure. industries, different uses, different applications. Yeah, and again, these these partners were like ahead of that. We didn't have to ask them about our vision. They had their own vision, and um, it was far along, and there's really nothing that we presented to them that, that they weren't like, oh, yeah, we got that. <laughs> we're on it. Um. So I know that I want to talk about a little bit about Smarter Artist and how, you know, its place in the long-term vision, which is kind of a non-place. But um, I know you mentioned the the idea of the treatments and stuff, but do you want to talk a little bit about future for film and TV? Because we're kind of, I mean, I'll just say it, and then you can tell me if we, you felt we've said this enough. But like with Invasion, when we went to, with our partners to create treatments and full season summaries and a, for a pilot script, like these are sorts of things that had to be created after the fact, whereas the new process is to create them going forward. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that while you were getting coffee. But um, yeah, we're, we're just, we're reverse engineering things from the outset to be easily sold um, to television if they're hits as books. Um, and, and that means two ways, easily sold. First of all, we're coming up with concepts that we know will work well on TV at least from what we understand and, and we do, you know, our homework, not just as consumers, but, you know, trying to kind of see what the pulse is, what, what, what streaming companies, what cable companies, what networks are buying right now, uh, you know, what is fading away um, and really trying to build it around that, but also the very structures themselves, because television structures, if you can nail them and break them down are actually great narrative um, blocks. And so, applying those to our stories from the beginning is just, it gives them more future potential and more, um, you know, more immediate potential as well. Uh, well then, then let's talk about the, the smarter artists. So this is something we've, we actually mentioned it just kind of quietly in, um, uh, I don't, a, a thing we did a few days ago, but, uh, we haven't really said it publicly and, you know, well, I mean, first of all, if you've been listening to these, you've, you've definitely, you know that we stopped doing the, the smarter artist stuff in the education. So that's, that's not. And for a long time, that was something that was going to be a part of our future. It's something that, um, that Sean spent a lot of time building out and thinking of, of like the stories to go or the smarter artist or um, all these things that were basically education or services, which are no longer going to be part of the vision so that we can be truer to that core competency and all the things that we've talked about throughout this arc. Um, but also the summit. I mean, we're, we're closing the loop on that this year, the Smarter Artist Summit in 2019. It's been something that's been really exciting for us over the past three years, but we're, we're saying goodbye to that this year as well. A little bit of melancholy in that, I think. That'll be the last Smarter Artist Summit. Yeah, that will be sad. <laughs> um, I mean, it'll be, it'll be awesome. It'll be an amazing event, but it will be, it will be the end of an era, right? Right. So, I mean, honestly, there's not a lot to say to, about that. But for a long t for a long time, that would have been part of our future talk. As a matter of fact, maybe it makes sense to close this episode by we don't want to delve deep in part because we don't have them right in front of us. But we started this year with like when we were doing stuff for family business and the, the, the private stuff we do for the stone table, we talked a lot through our goals, which were broken down by department. And now. Oh, and Smarter Artists had a lot of a lot of goals. A lot of goals. And as did all the other departments and the story studio was one of many departments and now it's the whole thing. Right. But if you look at that, the story studio, like think how short it, it kept getting as the other departments were hungry. 
Like, what do we do to feed Story Shop? What do we do to feed Smart Artist? Well, nothing now. We have that many more resources for, you know, when somebody joins the team, they're joining the team to create stories and to create assets. It's not about feeding this other kind of hungry beast. Uh, I feel like that's an anticlimax to end on, but I guess just raw story, more story, bigger story worlds. Well, I think it, it, like bringing it home, it's just a matter about knowing what your knowing what your core competency is and really leaning into it. And for us, that's ex- it's a story. It's excitement. It's what keeps us going. It's what keeps us pumped and motivated. What keeps the people around us happy and excited. And it all comes down to building characters, building worlds, building stories, answering questions through our narratives, um, and just getting into more and more of that. Um, so if you look at all the things that we're really bullish on in the future, it's, yes, yeah, story shop, but not from you know our leadership. It's from somebody else that we will help to shepherd that in the way that makes most sense. Um, TV and film, um, hopefully within two years, we'll be all over the place. Um, and we're, we're starting to really, you know, water those seeds now, both with the, the prod- projects and properties that we already have and that have, we've taken past the finish line and the new stuff that we're just nurturing from the beginning right now. Um, well, maybe that's honestly something you said a, a few minutes ago is a good place to kind of circle back and end on. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Dave will actually have some things to say on this is that the does it feel right does end up becoming a good barometer. Now, the tricky thing is that sometimes you don't know what feeling right feels what it is. So an analogy that I might make here is sometimes you'll hear stories about people who um, ate poorly for a long time and then started eating well. And once their body adjusted, felt a lot better or somebody, I hear this with um, massage. So if you've, if people start getting massages, it's uncomfortable for a while and then you feel good. And it's like, oh, hold on, this is how I was supposed to be feeling all along. I didn't realize I felt bad. Don't do it. And uh, <laughs> talking to Sean. And what um, what that is, is it's like you kind of don't know how you're feeling. You know, when you're eating all the bad food, you don't know that that's not how you should feel. When you're um, all bound up from, from and your, your fascia isn't moving on your muscles and you can't move right and you feel achy because you you've never you know, taking care of your body, you don't necessarily know that that's bad until somebody shows you that this is right. So it's a weird thing to say, like you follow your compass because something feels right, because sometimes you get that and it isn't actually true. But I will say that increasingly as we've leaned leaned into this, there is a real element of, oh shit, like this is what it's supposed to feel like. And I've seen this more and more from, from Dave recently, we saw it just on the last episode, is like, I mean, we make this joke that like Dave doesn't want any of our shenanigans and he just kind of rolls his eyes. But like Dave is now lighting up about some of the things in the company because suddenly they're the fun things again. They're like, oh, we get to tell stories. Oh, we get to do these cool meetings and build out these worlds. And as long as they're after 3 p.m. <laughs> the more I the more I get this permission and I start to think, oh, like I'm I'm hacking through some last smarter artist stuff right now. And I think, oh, that's just that's going to be gone. And we're going to be like, I'm going to, I won't just have to be like, oh, I can, I can justify time on an invasion script or a script of some sort, but that's what my job will be. I should be creating those. It feels really, really awesome. I think a a lot of it for me is um, like, I I think there's, uh, there's creators out there. I, I think there's a different, there's creators and then there's people that are just marketing to authors, uh, always selling to them. 
uh, creating all these courses and stuff. And I, I like that we are different, that we didn't do it that way. And whenever we did sell stuff, it just felt like the focus is better on us to, to, to put that stuff into what we're doing rather than trying to, um, sell to that audience because in order to sell like to the smarter art smarter artist audience uh we want to do it right we want to be authentic and all that but it's so damned expensive to do it right and meanwhile you got all these clowns out there just being fucking parasites and <laughs> all okay that boy dave's gonna rant again <laughs> tell me what you really feel <laughs> yeah i mean when you talk about doing it right that's actually because we we have done a thing or two and um you, t- you just said it's expensive to do it right or it's not like it the, is the, mm-hmm. the one thing that we 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 did on on the way out the door actually right now we're kind of doing on the way out the door it's one of those things where it's like shit that's way too expensive like that's way too expensive can't we just bilk some people like can't we just do something stupid that doesn't actually help because it'd be actually cost effective don't yeah, let so. don't don't let silence on that note because i didn't mean that <laughs> i was hoping one of you guys would pick me uh, up hey that's a good idea <laughs> Well, well I, 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 no, go ahead, Dave. Go well, ahead. I, I just like that we're 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 turning the focus on on creating creating stuff because uh, we are storytellers, um, and I I think I think it, it, it it's better to focus on that than all the stuff we've you know kind of gone the other way. And yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that the the thing that that you know our, our kind of our, our last offer on the way out the door is. Stupidly, stupidly generous, and it, it kind of creating it was such a, a a bold type reminder of all the stuff that works, all the stuff that we did, all the stuff that we're good at, and all the stuff that we started to turn away from and ignore, so that we could um, kind of serve the wrong masters. And um, I, I'm really appreciative of this kind of last thing that we put together because that's exactly what it did. It opened our eyes as, as a reminder. Like, oh my God, this stuff that we're teaching, it's the stuff that has always been consistent. It's the stuff that has always paid the bills. It's the fiction. You know, like you, you get a couple of solid fiction franchises and everything else works. But if you take your eye off of that, then everything else crumbles. And that's not to say like, we haven't enjoyed um, the smarter artist audience and self-publishing podcast. I mean, we, we like giving to the community and we've done it for free for how many years now? I don't even know. Five, six, seven, almost <laughs> seven. Counting. Yeah, no, almost uh, seven. Yeah. And I like that, but I, I don't, uh, I think the, the cost of going it all in on that and like actually making products and stuff like that was just too damn much. And it, it, it you can't do it all. And if you're going to pick what you're going to do, I want to pick the thing that I want to do, not the other things. No, for sure. And, and I'm, I'm glad it, it took us a long time to realize what we should have realized earlier, but yes, I mean, it's, it's, it has been a revelation and it's opened up all these other doors. I mean, we did spend this episode talking about what the future is and every single one of those things that was like, okay, here's our, our brand new opportunity it's really because we're pulling back from the other stuff. So engineering our stories to be sold for film and television, going through rapid iteration processes, all of that stuff is only possible because we're not spending half of our time over in you know fields that we shouldn't be in. And we, we are still, I mean, we're still doing this podcast. And I think um, 
that the right people will still get lessons from it. Um, they'll, they, they will get value from this, I believe. Because, I mean, even though we're talking about ourselves and our process. No, it's the way it used lessons. to be. It's, it's teaching yes. by example. Instead of teaching at the stuff, we're just talking about what we're doing. That is when we were the most, I think, effective. And I think that's where we drew our power from. And I think that we stepped away from that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to this arc. We'll start a new one with the next episode. And until then, thanks for listening to the Story Studio podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Story Studio podcast. Are you wondering what the ever-growing demand for superb storytelling skills means for your future? Check out our latest interview as Johnny and Sean dive deep into that question in Storytelling is the Future, how to build on your self-publishing success. Download the interview from the info box or show notes in YouTube or head over to sterlingandstone.net slash future.